Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. have to pray my kids out of town so I can have an opportunity to minister the word. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't tell him I said that. Uh, I did get a text from him early this morning about five and uh, they're in Turkey. And uh, so we prayed for open doors in Turkey. Amen. So um, I just am thankful that they have a heart for the nations, all of them. Jeff and Sylvia were here this week. They're back in Mexico ministering now. And so it's hard for me to keep up with everybody. I'm just like, oh, okay. And uh, so I think that kind of ties into my message because um, we're going to talk today about the prayer of intercession. And so uh, Don had asked me to, uh, Pastor Don had asked me to continue his uh, series and wrap it up on the wells that we've been talking about how the wells got filled with stuff and they had to redig the wells. And then the last wells where it talks about that they dug the well and the water sprang up and it was living water. Um, and I said, okay, I'll mention that. But I didn't really have that on my heart. <laughs> so we're going to go a little bit different way this morning. So let's pray and we'll get right into the word. Father, I thank you for your word. It's your word that changes us. It's your word that gives us life. It's your word that creates. It's your word, Father, that brings love and acceptance. And I thank you, Father, that all of us here have a hunger for the word. I thank you, Lord, that we desire to be in your presence, that we desire to hear your word, to study your word. I thank you, Father, that you make it alive to us, that you enlighten our hearts and our minds, that when we read the word, it's not boring. It's a rhema word, a now word that jumps out of the page into our heart, and it causes faith to rise up and, and say on the inside of us, I can do this with God's help. It's not impossible. It's God. It's God who's in me. I thank you, Father, for just the encouraging power of the Word of God. And as we look into your Word, we thank you, Father, for revelation today. Revelation from your Word. Things we haven't maybe seen before or have forgotten, that they are being refreshed today. And we'll move forward in a spirit of revival, in a spirit of refreshing. We thank you, Lord, for that water that rises up on the inside and brings new life and comes out of us and spills on all of those around us. And I thank you, Father, that you help each of us be doers of your word. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. So I just wanted to talk about uh, the prayer of intercession. Now, um, you know, I have to say this, that years and years ago, years and years ago, I went to a, a church, it was a certain denomination, and uh, I, I saw all of these people down there, and they were all hollering out for the Lord, and, and um, you know, they were just going to town, and I was new uh, to their church, and uh, I thought, oh gosh, I hope that doesn't ever get on me, and uh, I didn't really know what it was, and so uh, I kind of just, uh, you know, hung around and asked somebody, and so they said, well, th those are intercessors, this is intercessory prayer, and I said, oh, okay, 
so as I'd gone along my life in those first few years, I thought, well, I'm not called to that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to sound like that. And so I, I thought, you know, God, you're going to have to enlighten me. And over the years, and as I still grow, he does. And so I am thankful for the prayer of intercession. Now, we all agree that God is all-powerful. Do you agree that God's all-powerful? He's all-powerful. We agree that God is self-sufficient. Do you believe that God is self-sufficient? That, you know, he doesn't need anything, right? And that he's all-knowing, right? We all agree that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, self-sufficient, and he doesn't need anything to exist, right? He doesn't need anything to exist. So let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Now, we have to realize that on this earth, God gave us his power. So when I say that God doesn't need anything, he doesn't need anything, but he decided, he chose to work with us. We are partners with God. So in Romans chapter 5, we see in verse 18 and 19, and remember I read from the Amplified Bible, well, when one man's trespass, one man's step and falling away led to condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness, which we know was Jesus, leads to acquittal and right standing with God and life for all men. Verse 19, for just as by one man's disobedience, failing to hear, heedlessness, carelessness, the many were constituted sinners. By one man's obedience, the many will be constituted righteous, made acceptable to God, and brought into right standing with him. So we can see right here that Adam was on the earth. He walked with God. He sinned, and then God had a plan. He sent Jesus. Jesus died rose again, and then he said, I want you, you, to wait for the power in Jerusalem that I'm going to fill you with, and then I want you to be my disciples and spread the word all around the world. So we can say that, yes, God doesn't need anything to exist, but God chose, God chose to use you to spread the word. He chose you to be his vessel, to put his power in. And so we are partners with God. Amen. I mean, the word says that, that Jesus came, that he died, that he, he rose again, and that he gave us the spirit, and that through us, he's going to display his power. Let's look in Ephesians chapter 3. So I hope you brought your Bible this morning, and uh, I know, I know, you brought your phone. So uh, I said, first service, I said, now underline this, and nobody moved. I'm like, where's your pencil? <laughs> I think you have something on your phone that can do that. I'm not sure. So here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, the purpose is that through the church, 
the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all its infinite variety and innumerable aspects might now be made known to the angelic rulers and authorities, principalities and powers in the heavenly sphere. Now what it's saying is that through the church, now who's the church? We are the church. That through the church, God is going to reveal his wisdom. His many-faceted power, that means like a diamond, has many facets on it. And when you turn it one way, you see one thing. When you turn it another, you see another. That's the way God is. I mean, there's so many facets to God's wisdom and understanding. And he has chosen to manifest that through the church. And it says that he chooses to manifest it through the church and not only through the church, but so that even the principalities and powers and wicked spirits and high places can see the wisdom and the glory of God through the church, through you, through your lives, through your families, through the things you do. I mean, when people look at us, they should see the many faceted parts of God, the power of God. They should see God in our home, in our family. We should shine like a light because he lives on the inside of us. And so this is, he has chosen to do this to partner with us, to live on the inside of us. So I can say that, you know, God is everything. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. But he has chosen to work through us. I am so thankful that he has. You know, sometimes when we hear that, well, you know, God is all-powerful and God is all-knowing, we kind of get this uh, Doris Day doctrine. Uh, Now, wait. Who in here has ever heard of Doris Day? Not everybody. <laughs> that means that you're not all, those are, you're not all over 50. Everybody over 50, I'm sure, raised their hand. But Doris Day would say, you know, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. And uh, that was kind of uh, her thing. And so sometimes we take that attitude towards God. And uh, that's not the attitude to have. God has called us to partner with him, not to say, que sera, sera, but he's taken, he's taken partnership with us so that we can speak his word into this earth and reveal the many facets of his wisdom. And so we can't say, no, no, whatever will be, will be, it's all in God's hands. Well, in a sense, yes, but he has chosen to partner with us. We are his spokesmen in the earth and spokeswomen and men and, and children. We speak his word on the earth. And so, you know, let's look in Ephesians chapter 4. Sometimes we can quench the spirit. Let's look in Ephesians 4, just one page over. Verse 40, uh, 29, Ephesians 4, 29. Let no foul, polluting language or evil word or unwholesome, worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and the occasion that it might be a blessing and give grace, God's favor to those who hear it. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend or sadden him by whom you were sealed, branded as God's own for the redemption of the final deliverance through Christ from the evil and the consequences of sin. And then it goes on down and it says, put all bitterness, foul speaking, foul language, gossip, all those things out of your life. Because if we don't, it says up in verse 30 that we will grieve the Holy Spirit. 
you know, when people talk about grieving the Holy Spirit, they think, well, maybe it's like just doing some terrible sin. But right here it says we can grieve the Holy Spirit with the words of our mouth. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want him to move in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones. And it says that God has said that, that he wants to move in our lives, but we are the ones sometimes that stop him. And you think, well, how could that be? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at Mark. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. I know that you've heard this story before. We'll just look at one or two. Maybe one. Scripture. Well, no, let's look at two. Mark chapter 6, verse 5. It's talking about Jesus. He was there ministering the word. And it says he was not able to do even one work of power there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And you think, well, you said God's able to do everything. God can do everything. But right here it says God was not able to do even one thing. Look at verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief, their lack of faith. So do you see here how that we can stop the flow of God? We can stop the flow of God. It's not that God doesn't want to, it doesn't say that he wouldn't heal. It says he couldn't. He was not, he wouldn't, he couldn't. He has already said it was his will to heal. But there, it's, they stopped because of their unbelief. So do you see how that partnership works? Jesus went around teaching the gospel, teaching, teaching the word of God because he knew it would bring faith in people. And he also said that as the word of God dwells in us, it sets us free. He went around teaching and preaching and setting all those free who heard the word of God. And so God is all powerful, all knowing. He, he can self-exist, but he has chosen. He has chosen to work with us. We are his partners. We have a lot to do with what's going on on the earth. Now, let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Oh, we're already there. No, we're not. We were. Now we're back. <laughs> okay. Ephesians 3. Now let's look at verse 20. Now to him, by the consequence, the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Now there it says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. First of all, I think it's interesting that he says God is able to do above. I mean, for me, that would have been enough. But he uses all these adverbs, exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. And whenever you have an adverb, that is an action word. But in the King James Bible, it says, now thanks be unto God who uh, is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can, all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. According to the power that works in us. So that word according means measure. The measure. The measure of the word that's working in us. 
Now I ask you, how much of the word is working in you? How much of the power of God is working in you? You have access to all his power, but the word of God says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now, we saw that we can stop the power or quench the power of God by, you know, maybe unbelief and not believing, or we can quench the power of God by the words of our mouth, by being in in bitterness and unforgiveness and and gossip and all those things. Look, we're a body. We want to be in agreement. We want to agree for the salvation of the nations, but it takes unity. We can't talk bad about one another. We have to contribute to the spiritual progress of each other because other Otherwise, we'll quench the flow of the Spirit and grieve the Holy Spirit. And we need to connect those two. Because we, I don't know about you, but I need the power of God to work and move in my life. And I need Him to help me and to encourage me. And I need Him to give me the persistence that I need to believe for the things that I prayed for for years. I'm going to stay in there and I'm going to continue to pray. Because I'm going to pray the prayer of intercession. The prayer of intercession. And so he says, it's according to the power that works in us. God has chosen to work through people. Look at Jeremiah 33, 3. Jeremiah 33. I used to say, oh, I'd love to hear those page turning. I was music to my ear. I don't know what to say now. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time while he was still shut up in the court of the guard, saying, Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it. The Lord is his name. Verse 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. That's what it says in the King James. Because remember, I'm older and I grew up memorizing in the King James. But in the Amplified Bibles, it says things that are hidden and fenced in. It says things that you do not uh, know or distinguish or recognize or have knowledge of or understanding. But he says, call unto me. What is he talking about? He's talking about prayer. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. I mean, that's a promise of God. Hallelujah. So, I mean, he says, call unto me and I will answer. How many would like to have great and mighty things happen in your life? Oh, woo is right. Me too. Great and mighty things. But he says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. And so he's talking about prayer when we go to pray. And so let's look over back in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, it says in verse, well, it says in verse 11, put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavily armed soldier, that you may be able successfully to stand up against the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Verse 12, for we are not wrestling with flesh and blood. Look, people are not our enemy. People are not our enemy. It says here, we are not wrestling with flesh and blood. And I just want to meddle right here for a minute. Over the years, I've had people, uh, I'll just say this. Sometimes women will come to me and then they'll say, I told my husband he was going to hell if he didn't get saved. I told my husband if he did one more drink out, I'm, he's not going to get saved. I don't know what you call going out to drink. I guess it's not drink out. <laughs> That's embarrassing. <laughs> 
I told my husband if he didn't shape up that he was going to go to hell. That is not the way to win your husband to the Lord. Our battle is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wicked spirits in high places. Where are those principalities and powers in high places? They're in the heavenly realm. Now, you know, there are spirits that are controlling nations. There are spirits that control certain areas of our of our nation. Now, I, uh, I, I think this is kind of funny, and I'm not saying anything one way or the other. I'm just saying I went to Las Vegas about four years ago. My husband had a conference there, and I never went out of my room. <laughs> I didn't, and um, I, I just, I didn't, I've never been there, and that was the only time I was there. He was at a conference 12 hours a day for three days. I stayed in my room the whole time. And I just stayed in there and I thought, well, I think I can order room service. I don't even have to go out for lunch. And because I just didn't feel right, I don't know, but I just didn't feel right there. And I would just pray and, you know, read and read books and things like that. And so the last thing we did is we drove out of town. We stopped at IHOP and had breakfast. And I love IHOP, so... (laughs) So that was my big thing in the whole trip to Las Vegas. But I felt kind of funny there. Now, you can go and have a good time. My sister, she goes all the time and gets free rooms. But I'm just saying. So uh, (laughs) she loves it there. But there are certain spirits that control certain areas and certain countries. I mean, you know, just think of all the countries that that are controlled by corruption and illegal uh, things and the things that are going on. Let's look in uh, Isaiah. Isaiah. This is one of the, um, this is a very important chapter, actually. We won't read the whole chapter, but I just want to read, like in verse 14, it quickly, I'll just say, for truth has fallen in the street. Uprightness cannot enter the courts of justice. Yes, truth is lacking. And the Lord sought and displeased him. There was no justice. In verse 16, he saw that there was no man and wondered. What did he wonder? He wondered that there was no intercessor. He wondered that there was no one standing in the gap praying. He noticed that truth had fallen in the streets. And he wondered no one is praying. So it goes on to say that he sent his own arm. He sent Jesus to redeem mankind. Amen. Thank heavens for Jesus. But listen, truth is still falling all over in the street. Justice is not being upheld in so many nations. And God says, I've called you to pray, to intercede, to pray for these people. He said, I sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. He he just loves all of us. You know, he died for everyone and he loves us and he wants someone to stand in the gap and pray. I'm asking you, 15 minutes a day, pray for the nations. Just pray for the nations. 15 minutes a day. Listen, we've heard about how blessed we are in the church. We've heard all of this stuff about how we are this and we are that, but we're not the only ones on the earth. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loves the world. 
And he wants us to pray for the world, for the nations, for the nations. I pray and I intercede. Uh, you know, it's like Jeff told me that last time they, they went back down to Mexico, they got pulled over and somebody took all of their money. I pray for the nations. I pray against corruption. I pray for wickedness to be exposed, for the light to shine in Mexico. And it's not just because my son is there, but I that is certainly an impetus for me to pray. And it is for all of us when we think about the suffering around the world. Now, God is a good God, and he loves these people. When we talk about prayer, you know, there's times in the old church, way old, we used to say, well, I have a burden for this and a burden for that. Listen, in prayer, it's kind of an exchange. You give your burdens to God, and he gives you his peace, his joy. But it's not a one-time thing. Since we're here in Isaiah, let's look over in Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. We can't just pray one time and then think it's all done. No, not when we're talking about the prayer of intercession. I'm not talking about the prayer of faith. I'm not talking about the prayer of this or that. I'm talking about the prayer of intercession, interceding, standing in the gap, standing in the gap, just like Jesus stood in the gap for us. We couldn't get to God, but Jesus came, made a way. He stood in the gap. He was our intercessor. Amen? It says here in Daniel chapter 10. So Daniel was praying, seeking God, looking for a word from God. And the angel said, Daniel, you're greatly loved. And now stand upright. I want to tell you something. Verse 12. And he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your mind and heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come as a consequence of and in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chiefs of the celestial princes, came to help me, for I remained there with the kings. Now I have come to make you understand what shall befall your people. Now look at this. Daniel started praying. It says he prayed for three weeks. He prayed for 21 days. I know myself, sometimes I have a hard time praying for five minutes. That's not you, but myself. Now just think about this. What if Daniel had given up? What if he'd quit on day 15 or day 16 or day 18 or day 19 or day 20? But he didn't. He stayed in there and he prayed until he saw the manifestation of his prayer. It, it just... You know, when Don talked about, well, mom, talk about the wells, some the wells that you've dug. I want to say this to you, that we started out praying, praying, not only just praying, but prayer walking. I, I just walked all over this town. I just would walk. You know how you prayer walk? You become very, very alert to what's happening around people's houses. I would walk some houses and I would see their garbage out there by the road and it would be overflowing with beer cans. And then I'd see a swing set over here and little toys. And I just stop right in the middle of the street and say, I take authority of that spirit of alcoholism in the name of Jesus. I release him out of the bondage or her out of the bondage and pray protection on these children. We walked all over the town and just, just your eyes will tell you what to pray for. And, and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And I, I just, 
you know, that was a well that we need to get back to. That's a well of prayer we need to drink from. That's a well of prayer maybe you need to dig out again and say, well, nothing worked, nothing happened. Well, I'm glad Daniel didn't say that. Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 12. About that time, it says in verse 1, Herod, oh, he was a bad guy, stretched forth his hands to afflict and oppress and torment, and then he killed James, cut his head off, and he saw that every made all the Jews, the religious people, happy. So, I mean, they had polit- bad politics, amen? It made everybody happy, and uh, just a bunch of religious people, it says. And so he, he arrested Peter, and in verse 4, he seized Peter, put him in prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers and four each to guard him, purposing to, after the Passover, bring him forth. So Peter, verse 5, is where we want to get. So Peter was kept in prison, but what? Fervent prayer, fervent prayer was made for him, persistently made to God by the church. Fervent prayer. I looked this up in other translations, and let me read to you what it says. The church made intercession fervently, intently, earnestly, strenuously, like an athlete straining every muscle. Can you imagine prayer, that kind of prayer? They stood in the gap for him. They prayed for him. Their friend whom they loved was in terrible danger. And so it says that the angel came in and awoke him and told him, put your shoes on and your jacket on and we're going out of here. They walked out of there. And Peter realized that the angel of the Lord had come and set him free. Now jump on down to verse 13. He, He went to where the people were gathered and he knocked at the gate. A porch, a maid named Rhoda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice in joy. She failed to open the gate. She ran in and told the people that Peter was standing on the porch. And they said, you're crazy. Listen, I've had people say that. Don't let that bother you. Don't let that stop you. You know God. Hang on to your word from God. Peter is standing on the porch and they said, Oh, you're crazy. But she persistently, strongly, confidently affirmed, no, he's there. He's there. 16, verse 16. But meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. You know what? I look up. I love to look look up words. I looked up that word knocking in in one Hebrew, uh, Greek translation. It said rap. He was rapping. (laughs) Sorry, I find things in the Bible humorous. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay, never mind. So he was knocking. He wasn't rapping. He was knocking on the door. And when they opened the gate and saw him, they were amazed. But he motioned to them with his hand to keep quiet and listen. And he told them how the Lord had delivered him out of the prison. And so just think about this. They prayed earnestly. They prayed earnestly, and the Lord sent the angel and released him from prison. I mean, he said the Lord delivered him, but the people had their part. They prayed, they prayed, and he was delivered. And he he said, the Lord delivered me. That word in in Hebrew, that word intercession... Uh, the, actually, the root word is something called P-A-G-A. It means uh, paga, however you want to pronounce it. And it just means to stand in the gap. It means to build a bridge. To build a bridge. 
So when you pray, think, I'm building a bridge between God and man. I'm building that bridge. You know, I thought about that a bit, and I thought, you know, there, some of our bridges are collapsing. I wouldn't want that to be our prayer life. We want to build that bridge to God and man. We want to stand in the gap. We want to pray. And the Lord says, I hear and answer. Let's look at this one more scripture, Psalms chapter 2, verse 8. Psalms chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. There's a lot of things, excuse me, that we ask God for. A lot of things. But have you ever thought to ask him for your inheritance? The nations? Ask of me. And I will give you the nations as your inheritance. When you think of the word intercession, think of it this way. It's a sound-alike word. Intercession, intersection. Intersection. What is an intersection? An intersection is where two things meet. So when you think of it as the prayer of intersection, it's not so scary. It's you bringing your family, bringing your friends, bringing those situations together, building that intersection where God and man meet for our loved ones. So let's all stand right now. And let's just lift our hands to heaven and say, Lord, I'm asking for the nations. I'm asking for the nations, Lord. You can do it. Lord, you tell us to ask for the nations and you will give us our inheritance. Lord, we pray right now for the people all around the world. I don't know, maybe God's laid a country on your heart. What country's on your heart? I pray for Mexico because my son is there, but also because I love it. I love Mexico. Now I'm praying for India. I pray for Africa. I pray for Germany. I pray for China. I pray for Japan. We have a, Don, Pastor Don has a prayer meeting on Wednesday nights and, and there's just a few of us, but we, it's all we do is pray around the world. We prayed for, last week, we prayed for Cambodia and Vietnam. Do you know we have a young lady from our church who's in Cambodia and she's in Vietnam and she's just gone into Afghanistan. Now that's on my heart. We have another young lady from our church who's in the Bahamas helping with the recovery effort. She's from here. These are our people that we know that belong to God. What country? So let's just lift our hands and just, Lord, I just pray for uh, Mexico. I pray, Father God, for Tammy over there in, in Vietnam and uh, wherever she is today, Father. I pray for Kristen, wherever she is today, Lord. 
We pray for the open doors in Cambodia and Vietnam for Neil Donat. We pray, Father, for open doors in Turkey. Wherever Don goes, I pray that he will be uh, he will be alert and see an open door to minister the gospel, to bring uh, the good news to people who sit in darkness. There are people who sit in darkness all around the world. They cannot gather freely as we are gathered here. They cannot come together as we can come together and lift our hands and praise you. So we pray for them. We pray, Father, for the children all around the world that are just hungered and starving in these refugee camps. We pray, Father God, for the things that are on your heart. Lord, help us to know what's on your heart. Show us, Father. Speak to us, Lord. And we'll say, just like Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me, but send me in prayer. There's no limit to where we can't go in prayer. We can go anywhere in prayer and pray for the nations and stand against the wicked spirits in high places because Jesus' blood, because of the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, we thank you that you have made a way for us to partner with you. Partner with Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So I hope that you cried out for your nations or nations, the whole world. But you know, if that's a well, we can dig again. That's a well we can get back to and drink deeply. Just even 15 minutes a day. What a difference that'll make. What a difference that'll make. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, to partner, to partner, to partner with you, to be your partner, that he has died, he has shed his blood so you can be free. Would you just lift up your hands so we can just pray for you? We're not going to call you down front or any thank you. We're not going to call you down. Thank you. We're not. Thank you. We're not going to call you down front. We just want to all pray together. Hallelujah. Ha thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. And now I'm going to add one more thing. If you look up just a minute, I'm going to add one more thing on that prayer. After we pray for salvation, I want to pray over you for the spirit of prayer just to be on this congregation. Amen. Hallelujah. Just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to make me your own. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and being with me the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, I'm going to stretch out my hands towards you. You stretch out your hands this way. Father, I thank you. Your word talks about the prayer of intercession. Your word says they prayed day and night. You said Jesus is interceding for us right now at the right hand of God. And we're partners with Jesus. I pray, Father, that we will be stirred up in our spirit to pray. To pray for the nations. I ask you, Father, to just stir up that spirit of prayer. That we will look around us. We will see the devastation that the enemy has has wrought in people's lives. We will see people in bondage and children in bondage and we will see, Father God, the, the prisoners' eyes, uh, Father, that are closed and Lord, help us to pray for them to be open, for the people to be free, for eyes to be open, for the Lord to come in a mighty, mighty way in their lives. We ask you, Father, for great and mighty things as we pray. Father, we will not hold back our prayers. We will step out of the boat. We will step out in faith. We will walk on the water in our prayer in the name of Jesus. 
we will pray in Jesus' name. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. God bless you. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.